Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Full Tank Motorcycle Podcast. It's me, Rob, from the YouTube channel Motorbob, and as always, I'm joined by Tim. And this week, we thought we'd dive into some Q&As about all the bikes that have been announced over the past couple of weeks. It's been very busy in terms of news since EICMA, and so thank you very much to the viewers of the main channel who responded to the community post that I put up asking for questions. So let's dive straight in. Number one is from Dreading Bath, and he asks, does the Moto Guzzi V100 Stelvio that was announced at Eichmer last week have what it takes to take on the Mighty GS, which I assume they're talking about the most recent iteration, the 1300. Now, Tim, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on this, being a Moto Guzzi man. Yeah, Moto Guzzi enthusiast. Um, I, to be honest, I don't necessarily link the two together. I think part of it, uh, I was trying to sort of work out why that would be, the GS has that reputation of the off-road stuff, and I think for that reason, I don't necessarily link them in my head, even though they sit in the same class. And especially with the, I mean, it is more road-focused, isn't it? The the big GS mm. is one that can go off-road, but generally speaking, you're using it as a tourer, uh, quite a sporty tourer as well. Um, so yeah, they they tick different categories. I think they're going to deal uh, appeal to different markets as well because of that. Yeah, maybe. I think on paper they look kind of similar. You know, they've got the yeah. shaft drive. It's obviously an adventure bike. You've got the cylinder head sticking out either side with them both yeah, being yeah. transverse mounted twins. Quite techie as well. Like the Moto Guzzi's come straight in with yeah. radars front and rear. So it's got some of the similar rider rates like active cruise control and blind spot warnings and things like that. So on mm. paper, there's a lot of similarities. Mm. But I think three key differences, really, like one will be the power level. One's yeah. like 120, I think, is it for the Motor Guzzi or maybe a little less. The GS is up near 150 now with the most recent version. And I think in people's minds, that just puts them in a slightly different group of competition. Yeah. And then you've got the sort of image, which is more aesthetically minded, perhaps, the mm. Moto Guzzi, and it's got a bit more charm to it, whereas the BMW is perhaps more utilitarian. I think yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's... it's seeing it on the stand, mate. I mean, we've yeah. seen the spy shots, but I thought they've done really well with the finishes. They look very nice. Right. But uh, the main sort of display model at Eichma was on spoke rims with... Mm like some Pirelli Scorpion STRs or whatever, semi-knobbly tyres. Yeah. It's up on this stand and it just looked fantastic, mate. Honestly, the stand severe, the details, the lighting, mm. you know, those really good tail lights they put on. Yeah, yeah. I think it might be a, a real potential competitor against the Africa Twin for one of the best looking full-size adventure bikes in the yeah. market. Yeah, although very different styles, right? Because, mm. um, yeah, they've taken very different lines on that. I mean, like, Honda's gone straight into the utilitarian, like, quite angular... Like, it, it looks, looks like a big dirt bike, doesn't exactly it? Exactly that, yeah, yeah. But they kind of nailed that. And, yeah, the Moto Guzzi, very different stance. It just sort of looks like a taller, sort of jacked-up version of the V100, which isn't a bad thing. Yes, both nice-looking bikes. Um, smoother lines, kind of, I don't know, yeah. It looks more designed... Uh, as in, mm. what would I say, what, artistically designed, maybe? Mm. Um, naturally designed as opposed to sort of man-made, where the Honda is more, you know, angular. Yeah, perhaps, yeah. Especially the most recent update this year to mm. the Africa Twin. They've just chiseled it even more, <laughs> yeah. so it's getting a little bit more modern-looking. Yeah, them cheekbones are looking real sharp. <laughs> yeah. But then the third thing I was thinking as well is just the fact that the Moto Guzzi is coming into this market. I know they've made Stelvios before, but it really yeah. does feel like kind of new ground again. So removed from previous Stelvios. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I think that for me, 
it's a weird thing, but um, if a bike, because all of the stuff that they've kind of thrown at that, I say thrown, that's kind of a, um, a harsh term in terms of what they've done. Obviously, it's it's finesse. Considered. Yeah. yeah, very well considered. But I think when a brand implements a lot of new things, even though they're not brand new to the market, we've seen them on other bikes, I sort of in my head give them more kudos or I'm more excited for it, I suppose, when they've done something new, as opposed to the GS has been like highly tech focused for a long while and at the leading edge of, of a lot of different things. So that one, it's like it's a minor incremental change on a bike that was already phenomenal. So in my head, they sort of give more praise to the brand that's coming at it fresh, even though yeah. you think, well, this is their first stab at it. Like, have they got it right the first time out? We'll try and get one to ride to find out. But I do mm. get what you're saying. It's more exciting to see brands move into new territory. But I think what it realistically means is that the GS is probably going to be, still be the better bike because yeah. it's been refined yeah. with these small iterations over time that just yeah. make it better and better and better and better. And I yeah. was saying to you earlier how, you know, if you look at the press releases, it is broad strokes for the motor gutsy like it's got radars it's got a liquid cooled yeah. engine it's a new adventure bike whereas when you read the press release for the new gs it's talking about how they've obviously refined the engine slightly yeah, or yeah. they've uh, made some tweaks to the telelever front end the front suspension yeah. that make it even better yes and so i'd be very very surprised if the motor gutsy gets near it in terms of performance but also sales i mean it's just never going to even compete yes so yeah, I'd be surprised, but as for which one will be more appealing to me, mm. I mean, we'll have to ride them to find out, but I just really can't wait. Uh, at first glances, I can't wait to to ride the Stelvio. Maybe it's that sure. novelty excitement that you were just talking about. I think so. I think for me it is, definitely. Next up, we've got Frank Torre, and his question would be, which do you think will get first on the market? The newly spied, let's call it Daytona 660R from Triumph, or mm. the Yamaha R9. I'm not sure if you're across this saga, Tim. I'm not. They're not bikes I would uh, automatically link. I know we mentioned them last time out, but... Uh... So look, regularly on the main channel, we do kind of roundups of rumours. And maybe for two, three years now, every time I try and look for something fresh to talk about in terms of what bikes we might expect, there's always like copyrights or patents involving the name Yamaha R9 and some other variants to be fair but that's just one bike I think because the MT-09 is so good the XSR 900 yeah you know that people really want to see is a, a, a inline triple powered sports bike that's sort of not as serious as an R1 but mm -hmm. also the R7 with the parallel twin from the MT-07 maybe is not quite punchy enough for some people and it's such a peach that triple engine in the MT-09 It'd be a great sports bike as well. Yeah. And people would sit. I mean, not that I was kind of helping because I did say, I think that I thought it might come this year, mm. but people were certain it was coming at Eichmer, the R9, and it didn't. Sad times. Yeah. So it, which one do you think is more likely was the question, which one's coming out first? Absolutely 100% the Daytona. Yeah, um, I would say it's so. It's based upon the, the Trident and the, and the Tiger Sport 660. Yeah. So we, you know, we know that that's an area that Triumph are pushing into. And also we've seen spy shots, videos mm -hmm. of it riding around. So I think that's imminent, realistically. Yes. It looks yeah, like yeah. it's almost finished. Whereas we've seen patents and copyrights and maybe yeah. like some design renders by third mm. parties of an R9. 
but I haven't seen any spy shots yet. So no, so they've not been out testing it, or at least no one's grabbed a picture and been tested. And also, you know, I'm lucky enough to speak to people who work at motorcycle companies, and obviously, I bring these things up, things that the audience want to see or are excited about, mm. and they always say the same thing, which is like what people say in YouTube comments isn't necessarily what happens down at the dealer, and so. Even if loads of people do say they're dying to see an R9, mm-hmm. maybe actually from Yamaha's research, it's not something that people would go and spend their money on or it's not a market sector that's worth moving into for them. So mm-hmm. maybe it just won't happen. Who knows? Possibly. I mean, it's one of the... Yeah, I, I completely get where they're coming from. Because when people are sort of... If they're excited by it, like you say, it's not necessarily where their safe money might go. You might get a couple of people, but chances are... And if you're leading towards what's actually going to sell and not just make something for the sake of making something, then yeah. The Triumph Sporty 660. I'd say next few months, realistically, it's got to be. Next question is from Tom G 8673 When are you going to get your hands on that new Triumph 400 Scrambler. Looking forward to hearing what you think. Cheers from Montana, which I I like it when people put their location in their questions and comments because it's exciting to think of somebody (laughs) (laughs) on the other side of the world listening and watching. So uh, thanks for that. Now, you've crossed these as well, mate. You're mm-hmm. quite excited, are you, about the little 400 I, Triumphs? I literally watched a video this uh, this morning for uh, Revzilla. Oh, I watched that as well. It was good. The road trip in India. Yeah. And they did, I, I was curious because I've seen, you know, uh, very little on actually how they, they are, real world. I can mm. make assumptions based on my experiences and stuff, but you don't know until you sort of, you see it out in the wilds and um, yeah handles well i think it looks like such a fantastic little bike the the scrambler we discussed it in the last episode i believe actually Mm. and it's one that yeah i think is going to be a big seller the price looks really tempting yeah as for getting hold of bikes well in india i think they've already let the press ride some of these bikes because that's probably where they're realistically going to sell the most units Mm. i believe the press launches at some point in the next few months for europe so almost immediately after that we'll get one I don't think mm-hmm. I've really talked about it on the on the podcast or the channel, but my plan this year is not to do so many international trips. So we'll just try and get the bikes back here rather than having to fly everywhere uh, yep. just to shoot one day of riding. So hopefully we can be a bit more in depth with it. And it's certainly one that if we can get one of each, the speed and the scrambler, we could do our own Revzilla style road uh, yeah, trip. Yeah. But we won't <laughs> slightly go- less epic than the tallest road. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. went to the tallest road in the world. Is it in the yeah, Himalayas? Yeah, yeah, Himalayas. Yeah. We could go for the tallest road in Wales, South Wales, cool. Black Mountain Pass or something like that. Let's do it, yeah. <laughs> we could make it similarly um, <laughs> gruelling and epic by just yeah. going when the weather's bad. And... Exactly that. Okay, yeah. we'll, well, go let's through, do it. we'll go through four seasons in one day and make sure we really do it properly. That's a long way of saying, basically, next couple of months. Now, <laughs> Yajopan6141 asks, looking at the styling of the Aprilia RS457 and the Suzuki GSX ATAR, what's your opinion on the looks for both bikes as compared to the rivals of each one respectively? Are they good looking as compared to the rivals or are they meh? Now, Tim, I'd thoroughly encourage you (laughs) to Google each one just so you can refresh your eyes and mind. So I've I've got the images on there. I think what we need to do is define what their competition is. So for the RS457... Oh, Ninja 400 maybe? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there a little CBR as well, Honda CBR? The 500, right? 500, 500, yeah, that's probably a fair point. Let's use those as a reference. And I don't want to, you know, 
taint your decision, Tim. All right, you want it clean? My, my decision is that the Aprilia is anything but meh, but then it's an Aprilia, and I would expect that from them. Yes. So I like the look of that. I mean, they're, they're big on styling. Yes. You know what is kind of interesting looking at these three bikes is they're so typical, like you're just saying, actually, of their respective design languages. Yeah. The Ninja 400 looks exactly what you'd expect a Ninja. In fact, it's the 500 now, isn't it? They just updated it. At yes, Icon. they have, yeah. Ninja 500 is, is like a baby ZX-10R. It's just like a, a super bike with, it's green, it's angular, but it's got skinny yeah. wheels because it's not a big bike. Same mm-hmm. for the CBR 500R. It looks like a, in many respects, mini Fireblade. Mm-hmm. And that's what you can say of the RS457. It's like a baby RSV4 or RS660. And yep. I think that's just what people want. If they're buying an A2 bike or they want something in small capacity, you still want the image of the brand. Yeah, I suppose the trickle down was like, you would see, it'd be the, the bike that you see in BSP or you see it in yes. um, MotoGP. You want to feel like you are your favorite rider on that bike, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, even if you're going for the smaller version of it, even down to a 125 like Yamaha do, then and Aprilia, I think, have a 125. If they haven't, they've had it in the past. But um, you want to feel like you are the same as uh, your favorite racer. I think, looking at it, both, I mean, especially the Kawasaki, very angular. The Honda also is a little bit like that, quite busy. Yeah. The RS457 feels more restrained in terms of lines. Yeah. And I'd say for me, it's the best looking of the bunch. I would agree. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. They've got some flourish to them. Next was the Suzuki GSX ATAR. The Suzuki, uh, I have... I have different feelings on that. <laughs> really? <laughs> what would you compare this to then? Yamaha R7? R7. Honda CBR650R? Yes. Yeah, I would say so. Ninja Kawasaki. 650? Yeah, I was going to say it. Yeah. I mean, to be uh, to be fair, to be fair to Suzuki, uh, my issue is with the class in general, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I think probably my favorite of those, the, um, the R7's not bad. I quite like the looks of the R7. I'd agree. They've done some, like with the headlights and stuff, it, it's just, I don't know, the front end, basically. The Suzuki, I like most of what they've done. The thing I cannot get on with, with this new breed of bikes, is double stacked headlights. Really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I, actually, I do know why. I feel like it's going to date. I feel like it looks good, but it has a very short half-life mm. that you look at that in two years' time and it'll be out of date. In, is my mm, feeling interesting we'll get onto that in a moment because it's on one of their other bikes and i think it's an improvement but i, I take what you're saying it's it's a bit of a fad at the moment the new honda yeah. nx500 which is an update to the cb500x also has a, what look like stacked headlights i think they've mm-hmm. kind of it's not actually two projectors but it just feels like everyone's jumping on that sort of bandwagon yeah and maybe it will burn out quite quickly i'm gonna say what i think about this class is that naturally to be a good middleweight usable sports bike that's not necessarily just for the track but also for day-to-day duties commuting just going out Mm. for a ride the bars have to be quite high up and the seat has to be fairly low so you actually sat up like a naked bike and the result is a sports bike looking thing with a full fairing that actually has less of the tail up hunched down aggressive look of a genuine thoroughbred sports bike Mm. and that's probably why i think that r7 just looks the best out of the bunch because it's the yeah. one with the least comfortable riding position because it's actually quite focused given that it's right, in that yeah, yeah. middleweight segment. It's low at the bars. You can see the, the bars, they're like 
tight to the tank and the, the yeah. tail looks a bit more up and that's why mm. it just looks aggressive and desirable whereas the honda a little lesser it's a bit stubby on the tail and and mm. a little low on the tail same mm. for the ninja it's got very high bars that are nearly above the tank yeah and this gsx8r i think it looks better than the kawasaki better than the honda but still it it would be even better looking if it was just canted forward a little bit but i still I, personally i think it's not a bad job i know honestly i think it's a, it's not a bad job it's just if uh it's it's i don't know slightly off the mark for me and ever so only ever so slightly myrtle kanaz Gennaro 9411 ask will yamaha be going to bring back the legendary R6, which is an interesting question because a few years ago you'd have said, well, the middleweight, like genuine sports bikes, not those ones we were just talking about, but actually mm. Revy, super sport type bikes, you know, that market looked as if it had died off because everyone mm. had moved to adventure bikes and naked bikes that are more practical, but still super fast. Yeah. There were barely any on sale in the UK at one point. I think we had the R6 available as a track bike, but the mm. Jixa 600 are gone, the CBR 600 are gone. I mm. think the ZX6R was off the market for a while. But then all of a sudden, the ZX6R is back in... Um, kawasaki's lineup and then at eichma mm. honda re-announced the cbr600 rr they have been selling it in some asian markets with this mm. updated front end and stuff but actually for 2024 it's back and it's not just kind of like the old bike it's got genuine changes like an inertial measurement unit and tweaks mm. the engine tweaks the chassis a new look i've got to say mate it looks fantastic have you had a look if you search for 2024 cbr600 rr let me find that what a handsome motorcycle it's like a baby fireblade in all the best ways and then it's got the undersea exhaust which i personally really like as well i think it gives it a bit of flair and je ne sais quoi yeah what are you, I, what are you thinking i like that a lot yeah Cool, it's, it? it's a very yeah it's it's it can be you know with designs like this and we're talking about the aprilia as well as obviously mm. previous question to loop back there's a very particular kind of proportions that if you just skew it ever so slightly the wrong way it just starts to look ugly it they doesn't take this, too though. long but they really yeah but it's such a subtle thing i mean it'll literally be down to like the curvature of that face if you change mm. that by a couple of centimetres, it will change the whole look of it. And yeah, I think Honda's design team... I've always thought, actually, that the Fireblade is one of the prettiest of the sports mm. bikes. Or, you know, sure. If you look at the 2005 upwards kind of thing, that era onwards, uh, I always thought the Fireblade was a very pretty bike. And this looks this looks like an old CBR 600, yeah, or a 1,000. Two things, though, mate, on this one. Number one, it is that more aggressive. It's not a beginner-friendly riding position it's more track nope. focused there's lots of track features so that yep. makes it look more aggressive sure uh like they've dropped the tank by 10 mil for this year so you can get your chin in mm. uh so it obviously helps to slant it down towards the front yeah but then also there's definitely been a design trend towards small mini tail sections yeah but the fact that it's got a undertail exhaust means actually it's got a quite a long passenger seat there which yeah. might be considered a bit old school but i actually think it looks really good yeah i agree i think there are certain things, if I was to critique the Aprilia for anything, it would be that the tail section looks a little out of proportion, like it's a bit short. Mm. So I think, yeah, this one's a little bit longer is nicer. For me, it's the face. It's all, it's first thing you see man. with it. Yeah, I, yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the first thing I see is the face on a bike. And yeah, it's uh, that has to hit the mark for me. And I think the Hondas always have. Fair play. Mohammed Suhail 3655 asks, how does the new ninja 500 that we just mentioned compared to the likes of the ninja 400 and the zx4r so i believe the ninja 500 has replaced the ninja 400 i looked on the kawasaki website earlier and they still list 
still list rather last year's 400 but for 2024 it's just the 500 so effectively it's a slight evolution a bit more capacity mm. i think there's mm -hmm. marginally better performance figures there's a few tweaks to the spec but fundamentally what you get in there is a relatively beginner friendly bike i think some people do ride them on track there and they have potentially in that regard they're quite lightweight and appealing mm. in that respect but fundamentally it's still a parallel twin that can be used for yeah newer riders and stuff like that as well yeah the zx4r is an inline four and yes it's a small engine but it's really revy and you have to keep it singing to you know get the most out of it and so that's going to appeal more to more experienced riders anyone who wants to do track days on it as well and that sort of yeah. thing so compares the 400 in that it's the new version of it, it compares to the 4R in that it's going to be more talky mid-rangey, a bit more chilled out in the riding position. Yeah. And I think probably a bit cheaper as well. Yeah. Mate, I think I answered that one. Should we <laughs> move on to the yeah. next one? I got nothing to add. Crack on. I do like both of them. And we, uh, to add anything into it, I like a, a smaller capacity sports bike. I think it's really fun. With an inline four? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like I've only ever ridden, I don't think I have ridden, no, I have. I owned a little uh, Ballius uh, ZX. 250, I think it was sort of close to. And I quite like a little four-cylinder. Did we call that the bilious in a previous episode? I'll have called it a balius, but you might have uh, referred called to it. Called it a bilious. Yeah. Uh, maybe I've stolen someone's joke there. TJS201971 asks, on the GSX1000GX, which is a new Suzuki tall sports tourer crossover type bike, uh, what's the release date for both the EU and North America? And are you getting on one for testing? Now, have you checked this one out? This was the other big announcement from Suzuki, along with that AR. You're going to have to be careful when you Google it. GSX S 1000 GX. I think, yeah, I've got GSX. Uh, what's the S? S 1000 okay. yeah, yeah. GX. Mm -hmm. It's basically like, you know, the S 1000 XR from BMW, the tall, um, but yeah, yeah. sporty crossover, or like a Tracer, Tracer 9, that yeah. kind of area. Yeah, completely. I think it looks really, really good. That engine is excellent. In the GT model, also, the GT has quite an ugly front end with two projector lights either side of it, and they look like yeah. goggly eyes. Have you seen that bike, the GT? The GT. Hold on, give me a second. Have a look at the front end of that. It's, um, <laughs> now, yeah. go, back to the, go back to the GX <laughs> and see if you still think that stacked headlights are a bad idea. Well, All right, I mean, like... <laughs> Do you, do you want a slap in the face or a kick in the nuts? It's, uh, yeah, neither one of them are going to be on my shopping list. But that one's a hammerhead shark, man. Look at it. Yeah, that's not a good a good look for the front end. I, I wish it had the stack headlights from this. I think they just look more, I don't know, sharper. Yeah, given, just... given the compromise, yeah, I'd go for the stacked headlights for sure. Because it points the nose in a little bit too much. Sorry, a little bit more, which is nicer. This one, just weird. <laughs> like a duck beak. Very weird. Now look, the GX, mate, is their first ever motorcycle with semi-active electronically adjustable suspension. Hmm. Surprising, isn't it? But they're not necessarily always at the forefront of pushing new tech. No, well, no, I was, yeah, not surprising that they haven't had it before. Mm. Um, just pleasantly surprised that they actually do have it. Because, um, yeah. yeah, Suzuki are usually on the tail end of development, uh, not to be unkind. They've gone all in, though, mate. This yeah. has got everything. Like, I was impressed when I was reading the specs. They sent a really detailed PDF over. And it's not like they've just gone, well, let's take a first stab at it and something pretty average will do. It mm. actually has all the kind of, like, self-leveling for preload and cool. anti-dive. And yeah. ah, there was some other impressive stuff in there. I'd have to dig it out. It's in my ECMA video where I mention it briefly. Mm -hmm. But it goes 
very much it. oh skyhook is the other thing where oh yeah the concept suspension. hung from the sky and the bike stays level yeah, yeah, but the yeah. wheels track the surface of the road so it's got that in there yes it's skyhook mate that is leading edge have you ever seen that video on youtube ah oh, sorry if we've talked about this before but mm. it's of the multistrada v4s going down some stairs no i don't think i have seen that Man, we'll cut this into the video, but I'll send you a link right now so you can watch it. But that's got Skyhook, and it kind of pretty much je- demonstrates mm-hmm. exactly what it's meant to do. It would be good to see it next to a non-Skyhook bike. Yes. I mean, would you do that? Ride it down some stairs? A multi-strider. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's an adventure bike, yeah. Oh, but that's look weird. at the body of the bike, how the body of the bike barely moves, just the wheels yeah, yeah, yeah. are moving. Very impressive, I think. That is quite impressive. You're right, though. I do want to see a non-Skyhooked regular suspension bike compete with that generally on youtube nothing's ever good enough like if we put out hold on so this is just his bike that he's doing that on this is just some it's just a random guy absolute legend (laughs) it's not a press bike (laughs) nice (laughs) yeah like i would say generally on youtube even if we did 16 videos for mike mate in the course of a few days there'd be someone who's like well why didn't you cover this or this you know there's always someone who wants more and you can be that guy today because you can go into the comments of that video and say, uh, why didn't you compare it to a non-Skyhook bike? Yeah, I could. I, I'll do that once we've finished here. Anyway, yeah. impressive. But the question was, when mm. are we getting one for testing? I'm definitely, I've already emailed Suzuki saying I'd love to get the ATAR and the um, GX for testing. I believe it'll be next year, uh, mm. probably not for a little while. But as soon as there is one, I'll be badgering them because I think they both look quite impressive. Uh, back to the CBR600RR with Felix D4015. And he asks... Do you have any confirmation if Honda will bring this model to the North American market? Interesting one. I mean, the thing is, despite our biggest audience being in the US on our channel and being very much a global channel, like we have viewers all over the world. Same for the podcast as well, looking at the analytics there. Hmm. We have to deal with the PR team in our respective markets in order to get hold of press releases and motorcycles and things like that so they actually usually don't have any information about what bikes are going to be available in north america so it's not even worth asking most of the time but it's a funny one because honda don't always launch things over in the u.s even though Mm. it's such a big market and from my experience as well a u.s audience is strong on content about honda from what we see so they like honda bikes Mm. or some people over there do but yeah it was like the transalp got launched last year and then it was months and months and months before it got announced for the US Mm. so I would say hopefully you know they'll hear hear about it later and it'll get announced but at the Mm. moment I don't have any information on that one next one mate sorry I'm just wholly answering some of these but I don't think that one's necessarily (laughs) I don't want to wade in on the ones I don't know unless you want a completely unintelligible answer on some of these you just crack on just like an AI why don't you use chat GPT (laughs) answer this question for me um what's the difference between oh sorry this is from nomadic ag5599 what's the difference between the discontinued honda 600 and this new release version and why did they stop production and what made them bring it back this is honestly i think one of the most uh, engaged with bikes that's been launched people are very excited about 600s coming back i think it's a yeah. nostalgia thing as well um mm. because people rode these bikes in the 90s and stuff and, and rode the 
arse off them as well because you know they're not big super bikes or yeah, big yeah. 1200 adventure bikes so yeah. there are small differences like i said tweaks to every little bit if you look through it and there's just mm. small things like they've made the fork legs 15 mil longer so that there's more range of adjustment in terms of geometry mm-hmm. so you can drop it down through the forks or raise it up mm-hmm. to make it a bit more chilled out that's a track bias feature yeah a new tft display it's got um a lap timer built in it's yeah. uh, like a really visible led uh, rev um gear shift indicator so it's all track stuff realistically yeah. uh the, the tank shape is not only to get your chin down but i think they've also allowed you to bring your arms narrower okay. new aerodynamics a new shape of screen that's for a range of positions on the track so it's really uh-huh. a focused machine yeah i'd say for me it's um it sounds like and i'm basing this on uh kind of external knowledge of it i haven't done power figure comparisons but in terms of bringing models back it seems like in actual fact, because of certain restrictions, they are, if anything, slightly less powerful, but maybe they tweak it so it makes it in a different area. In terms of improvements, generally across the board, it is improvements in braking, suspension, technology, basically. Um, mm. The other stuff that make the bike good. So in terms of engines, uh, I don't think huge leaps forward in terms of performance. It's, it's similar. Right? I think yeah. there's tweaks, yeah. It's a good question, though, as to why this particular class of bike, the 600s, have been dropped, mm. and then now everyone's getting back on the bandwagon. I guess it's like emissions and sales numbers. Yeah. Like, if they're not selling very many... They didn't make that much sense, though, did they? Because if the people are using them on the road, like you say, for the track, if this is track-focused, then that's one thing. But if it's using them on the road as people used to, uh, again, restrictions on just riding on the road are... are tighter than they used to be so yeah um and it just doesn't make as much sense when you could be i mean like you know for yourself right the the day you made the shift to go into an adventure bike and sit upright it's a really hard sell to then go and oh, i'm going to lean over and do this again for like commuting for everyday riding you just don't want to go totally. back to the cramped over totally. position so the market changed i don't think i could have a, a sports bike as my only bike i like to have no. the adventure bike and then i've got the sv650 air so when i get on that i'm like this is fun for yeah. a little while yeah but for the majority of riding, especially if you ride for work and it's a practical tool or you yeah. commute, it's much more appealing. So, yeah, I think the market shifted. People, you know, started to like other things. Also, mm. the market is aging probably. So mm-hmm. people are becoming a bit more practically minded and perhaps a little bit less um, live. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, it really feels like we've just gone through a period of lots of emissions regulations. Yes. You know, Euro 4, Euro 5, mm-hmm. now it's Euro 5 plus. And so maybe looking at the sales numbers, it wasn't quite worth continually updating it so frequently in yeah. order to be able to keep selling it because you've got to homologate the bike again even mm-hmm. if you make little changes mm-hmm. you know there's a whole kind of process that costs lots of money and time um, maybe we're at a point now where it just feels like worth it again i mean they had been selling this bike like i said in some asian markets it was mm. updated in 2021 i believe and now it's kind of been brought out over here so maybe it's more the question that like okay euro five plus would just going in there now maybe it's worth getting the bike out there because they know they'll get a couple of clean years of being able to sell it without updating yeah, yeah. it mm-hmm. it's a guess that's a complete guess no i think it's fair you don't want to sort of you don't want to spend money developing something at the tail end of a certain emissions totally. thing and then have to redo the same work you want to get in there day one so you've like you say you've got a decent span of being able to sell that bike whatever it might be fingers crossed for it yeah. now carlos iaac asks well it's not an ask it's a Nothing on the rumoured CBR Hornet 750. I was hoping they'd announce it at Eichma. So again, on the sort of um, Honda sports bike front, the Hornet 750 was fantastic. Mm. A brilliant bike, very affordable. Mm. And that platform gave birth to the um, Transalp 750, a great adventure bike, a good option in that sort of mid and more affordable market. 
And then it was expected they'd come out with a CBR sports bike version, which I think mm-hmm. would be actually pretty good. If you look at the power figures, it's more like 90. So it'd be a bit up on something like an R7. Yeah. And they can obviously do it in terms of um, the visuals and the sort of chassis required because they've got lots of similar bikes like that. Yeah. But yeah, nothing was announced. And I just wonder if it's because they're, we've been talking through the options, haven't we? Mm. CBR500R is a parallel twin. CBR 650R is a inline four, but quite chilled out in the riding yep. position. Yeah. CBR 600RR now mm-hmm. is a more focused track 600 with an inline four as well, but more revvy, all yeah. the powers at the top end. And then you've got your full fat fire blade, if you so wish. Yeah. So maybe there's just no room for a budget sports bike. What mm. do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's not sort of crying out for it. But yeah, it would have some decent playmates if it were, if they were to do that, like you say, because there's quite a few, yeah. you fit right into that market, wouldn't yeah. it? With the R7, Ninja 650, yeah. the new Triumph, uh, the the new Suzuki. It's mm. just having that inline four CBR 650R, maybe it's too similar. Mm. And whereas with the Nakeds, there's so many Nakeds sold that the Horner and the CB 650R can coexist. Mm. Maybe sports bikes are a bit more niche and so it's not worth having two pretty similar bikes on the market. Mm-hmm. Got to say as well, is it the um, MCIAA, Motorcycle Industry, or MCIA, is it? Motorcycle Industry Association? That's it, mm. yeah. In the UK, they put out sales figures, yes. press stats. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get a kind of a PDF summary of each month of motorcycle sales in the UK. Mm. I was looking at October, not exactly peak biking season, and still the Horner is the best selling, like 750 plus bike, I think. Yeah. Wow. 751 to 1000 cc's. It was the best seller in August. Fair play. What about the other months? Uh, not quite in, in July. That was the Tracer 9, but August, mm. CB750 Horner. September, mm. CB750 Horner. It's all 200 of them in a month. Wow. October. Wow. CB750 Horner. So like, yeah, it's the best selling. The, the, the only thing that's beating it really is the GS. Right, yeah, standard. But like, a, and the GS Adventure yeah. in terms of the 1000cc plus, but in mm-hmm. that sort of 750 to 1000, yeah, it's mm. it's kicking some serious butt. So mm-hmm. maybe that's part of the surprise that they aren't doubling down on the success of it and making other variants, but, yeah. or maybe it's just doing its job alone. But maybe they just don't need to. Yeah, exactly. Maybe yeah, they don't yeah. need to because of that. Unknown PS asks why do they make new adventure bikes that you need to remove the tank to access the air filter seems like a massive step backwards now if you're riding off-road a lot it's going to get dusty and dirty and nasty and so you want to be able to quickly take it out and clean it yeah i think actually like you know there was a period of time like my tiger 800 where you i might be right that you have to take the tank off basically uh, to get at it which isn't great and Mm. then maybe we had some more practically designed bikes is the Tenere quite easy to get at? Tenere 700 Air Your filter. guess is as good as mine. Give Google it. Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. Let's have a little look, mate. Uh, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. I'm going to plump for take the tank off. I think it's behind the tank just under really? the seat because they've obviously designed it in a way that Sensibly. that's what people love about yeah. it. It doesn't have like all the fancy rider raids, but yeah, yeah. it looks like a relatively simple job. I might be wrong, but mm. I can see the tank bolts still on. Maybe, I don't know. But anyway, I believe stuff like the Desert X, mm. you have to take it to a dealer, they say. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I, th- I thought you were going to say the Desert X has been designed so you can actually get the air filter out. I was like, that doesn't sound very Ducati to me. Yeah, yeah. they take it to a dealer. <laughs> yeah, that sounds more Ducati to me. Uh, yeah, so I believe that is a, a bit of a pain on some of the newer bikes. It does yeah. seem like a big... You can probably do it yourself, but yeah, they advise you take it in. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just an uh, indication that people don't actually... Like the majority of adventure bikes owners do fit the 
Starbucks cliche and don't actually ride them off road. Yeah, or if you do, you're not taking it on a proper dusty trail. You're not taking it in mm. a desert. You're uh, you're doing a little bit of light green laning. A little bit of mud. One of the most impressive bikes, mate, from Eichmal was the CF Moto 450 MT. A lot of the audience mm. audience were saying, go and check out CF Moto. And so although the kind of more niche uh, Asian manufacturers don't tend to do that well on the channel, I just went and had a look at that one. And I was so impressed with it mm-hmm. that I made uh, a video and it just looks like it ticks all the boxes. It's like a baby Tenere. Yeah, I, I thought I saw it. Yeah, because uh, I've watched all your content. I, I think actually, Thanks, I mate. genuinely have. Uh, let's assume it's going to be more affordable because it's cf moto built yeah, and yeah. they haven't gone crazy with the spec yeah it looks cool yeah it's got spoked wheels i think it's a 21 front yeah uh 17 rear or 18 rear mm-hmm. i think they're tubeless as well so mm-hmm. good news for most people yeah long travel suspension 220 yeah. mil of ground clearance mm. folding foot controls so if you drop it they don't get smashed clever off-road foot pegs where you can take the rubbers out and you've got a bit more grip mm-hmm. off-road riding modes where you can turn off some of the rider aids yeah i think it's got like a decent tank size got the handguards yeah. bolt on subframe so if you drop it yeah no i i uh it looks like a seriously appealing proposition mate it does everything. I mean, it's got my favourite headlights on it as well, which is which is good. Stacked. Um, I actually, I actually don't mind it in that configuration. It sort of works. They've made it a bit more slab, like upright. Yeah, it, it somehow kind of it works with the rally style, doesn't yeah. it? Just not every bike. Definitely no, but it's it looks. It's got unsurprisingly. I think it's got somewhat KTM looks to it. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a little bit makes sense to me. But in a good way, I think that looks really at home off road. And I gotta say, it is marking the shift, isn't it? Because we, because t- I did the uh, CF Moto demo out in Spain, and yes. we rode quite a few, and there was a fair difference between all of the bikes. We rode lots of bikes on the day, but some of them were older models, so it makes sense that they were a little less refined. And then newest models, I have to say, did feel like a big improvement. And I would imagine this is a similar kind of move forward, where it will feel better than the previous bikes that I've run from them, which actually still felt good. And I think it probably does mark the change the shift the shift yeah exactly where people so i neither of us i think are old enough to kind of understand it fully but i think people spoke kind of disparagingly about japanese bikes back in the day being yes. cheaper so yeah. cheaper to buy but not as well made as like european bikes yeah and that absolutely changed um so there are people citing that like this is it this you know it will happen in the chinese market as well the chinese bikes will get to that stage where people yeah. took the piss out of them for a certain amount of time and then they get to a point where it's just like yeah of course i have a chinese bike um and i think cf moto are the ones that are going to break that barrier i think i agree with what you're saying i think looking at the bikes that you were testing for the main channel last year there's always like a yeah it looks all right it's good on price but there's a trade-off in terms of performance and spec Mm. and Mm. they always come up a bit heavy or a bit down on power or something yeah and this is the first bike from cf moto and some of the other ones they had at the show where i was like crikey there's not really i mean you know tbc on build quality and how it rides and stuff but just looking at the spec sheet it it does feel like things are looking a lot more serious now and competitive Mm -hmm. and the build quality on them in terms of the finish and what you can kind of assess from just sitting on the bike and walking around it Mm -hmm. really does seem to be up there and the design language i don't know if it is that ktm influence now that Mm -hmm. they partner on some of their bikes but the the choice of color and the way that it looks in terms of the sort of contours of it is just getting refined it's like cf motor really finding their style and they're not just trying any old thing no uh, they're and they're not and i say the, it's got influence from ktm but it's not it's not like it's not, a copy yeah. and paste they've yeah. gone their own way their 700s are that way as well where actually if you look at their 700s um mm-hmm. their kind of retro scrambly type bike 
it uh, it doesn't look like anything else. It genuinely doesn't, and it doesn't look bad either. It's a pretty mm. looking bike. So yeah, it's nice they've actually got their own design language. Onto the kind of looks on the last question. I think I've saved the, the most interesting question for last. Mm. Yam T three one four eight said, "Why are Yamaha, Suzuki, and KTM all making their bikes uglier?" What horrible drugs are they on now? And will they ever switch back to weed again? <laughs> Great question. It's a good one. Look, the, the big one is probably something like the 990 Duke. Did you see that? Yep. So this one, can I, can I say what I said to my colleagues? I will. I haven't told you. This is fresh to you. To me, its face looks like Predator's mouth. and I hate it. You're one ugly motherfucker. I hate it so much. It looks like a deconstructed, you know, like someone's like, here's a, here's a sandwich, will you work it out? I didn't put bread there, it's deconstructed. It's like that. They sort of went, we've got all the parts of the headlight and we just didn't finish oh, yeah. it off. Predator's and, mouth is so accurate, right? Mate. My colleague said that the headlight looks like they got all of the sort of parts and they were like, oh no, the lens is here yet. No, they're not. Oh, we need to ship it. Oh, quick, just rush it out. It <laughs> literally looks like they just sort of went, oh God, it'll have to do. Here you go. I think we have to maybe describe it for our audio listeners, but the general vibe is like they've switched to Tim's beloved stacked headlights, um, <laughs> but in not wanting to completely abandon their sort of signature headlight shape which is kind of like this uh, diamond they've kept the daytime running lights around the outside and then just ditched the glass or the you know the lens off the front like you say and so you've end up with like yeah a bit of a void in the middle i actually don't think i dislike it as much as other people because if they hadn't put the daytime running lights around the outside it wouldn't have looked very ktm and it would have looked more like the suzuki GSX A test or something like that, or that's fair, yeah. But I mean, you don't have to like it, even if you can see their rationale. Yeah, yeah, true. It's, uh, I mean, that's their job to figure out, and I think on this occasion, in my opinion, they missed. Um, but it's they've always been the brand that is most divisive. I think for looks, you either love it or you hate it. Well, I believe you know the solution here is that for the KTM, the 801 Svartpilen was spy testing. That looks quite nice. So hopefully that'll be out at some point. So that okay. might be what you're looking for. It'd be mm -hmm. a twin-powered Svartpilen. So same bike, hopefully, mm -hmm. in many ways. I think that's what Hus yeah, Husqvarna sort of uh, offer is you'll get the same bike as the KTM if that's what you like. But if you just can't get on with those looks, then we've got an alternative for you. I think that's typically how they go. Yeah, Scandi styling. Yeah, yeah. Suzuki, it is what it is. Their design <laughs> language is always blue and angular. But I will mm -hmm. say I think the GX looks better than the GT. And I don't mm. mind the sports bike so much. So mm. uh, Yamaha, the MT-09 is always going to be divisive. Mm. But again, you've got the XSR. And did you see the XSR 900 GP with the fairing? Hang on, did we talk yeah, about this in the last I did, one? We did, yeah, we did. Because you, you uh, mentioned that being one of the announcements. And um, we both Mate, agreed. Absolutely love the looks of that. I saw it at the show. And, it, yeah. and they had what I loved. We shot a video where we looked at the MT-09. And then mm. the concept for the... XSR 900 GP yeah. and the XSR 900. And then we had mm. the production XSR 900 GP and then the one with the lower fairing kit, which looks amazing for me. Mm. And it might be the um, solution for anyone who was hoping for the R9. It's basically that. It's a inline yeah. triple, but it's got clip-on bars, a fairing, mm. and it's got some of the latest MT09 tech, which the base XSR 900 doesn't have, like a better TFT display and stuff. Mm. What a cool bike, honestly. And so I'll leave on a high, I think, and say so I actually think that <laughs> Yamaha, although the, the MT09 
MTO9 and stuff are an acquired taste. There's still yeah. stuff in their lineup that shows that there's some appreciation for the classic yeah. design shapes of a motorcycle. I think it's a 50 50, isn't it? They can't have, you know, every single bike can't appeal to every single person. So they've at least got something in their lineup that you could probably get on with looks wise, right? So, yeah. Absolutely. Some of them, some of them have leaned real hard into certain designs. Well, we know your preference. You are a face man. However, you do not like the headlights to be stacked. Yeah. It's a good way to whittle down some of the stuff on the market. A brilliant insight. Thank you, Tim. That's, and that's thanks to everyone for their questions. Uh, really appreciate it. I always enjoy these ones. There's a few curveballs in there, usually. Uh, so good fun. We'll be next at Motorcycle Live next week on Friday. So we might pick our favorite bikes of the show. It's not mm. going to be exactly the same as Eichmann, though. There's some different bikes there that are specific to the show. So uh, do subscribe, if you don't, to the YouTube channel if you want to see a pod from there. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. What about you? So am I. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not. No. Yeah. I was going to say I'm not looking forward to the trip up because it's uh, freezing. That's always the sort of. Yeah. It's always the first weekend where I'm like, oh, yeah. OK, that's it. <laughs> Bike's going away for a little while. Wrap yourself um, up, mate. Yeah. I'll get nice and toasty and I'll wrap myself up and take pauses. But yes, very much looking forward to the show with you. Perfect. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you then. Bye.